I'm Michael. And I'm Crystal. And we're your hosts for this episode of Financial Advice for All, a podcast about personal finance. Our guest this month is Elke Rubach, president of Rubach Wealth. On the heels of her presentation at Advocates Toronto's International Women's Day event, she spoke with us about a range of topics, like the importance of advisors talking to their clients about legacy and the specific role of women in financial advice. Hi, Elka. What does legacy mean to you and why is it important? That's a really interesting question. And what I've discovered is that legacy means different things to different people. Some people would think that it's initially the money you make. And when I talk to my clients, in the six years I've been in business, I've yet to hear money as an answer. It's never the answer. It's what you do with the money you've accumulated. It's the meaning you give to the wealth you've acquired. If you don't have a proper plan, I can tell you're going to leave a mess of a legacy. Legacy doesn't necessarily mean something positive. Look at what happened to Prince. He had no will. His net worth went to ashes. It was being fought between the brothers, and then there's the son that shows up in jail and says, nope, that's mine. That's a legacy. How many people say, oh, I don't want to leave my kids ultra-rich? Okay, what is ultra-rich? What do you want to do for your kids? What What have you taught them about money? How are they going to, like, how much money does it do you need to wreck a child? I would argue five bucks could do it. Give them the right drug and they're done. So it's not an amount or a specific amount. It's a conversation about values. What have you taught them? And have you given them an example to follow where they figure out that money can do a lot of good stuff? I think, generally speaking, humanity wants to improve people's lives. It's a matter of bringing the conversation to the table and allowing people to be aware of it. Why should a financial advisor ask their clients about the legacy that they want to leave behind? As a business proposition, it's much more sustainable to talk to go deep with your clients as opposed to wide. And that's a conversation you can only have once your business has evolved to a certain point, but it's a lot more profitable and sticky in terms of a client when you get to know their values. It's understanding what's important to them. And if your client sees that you understand and you worry about their values and how to protect them and make them last or preserve the values to the next generation, um, your client will appreciate that and they'll refer and they'll include you in their family and then you'll talk to the next generation, get to meet the spouses uh, and avoid the the well-known rule that the widow changes advisors. How important is it for women to be included in that conversation? And is the approach different from men to women? I find that the conversation is different between men and women. I never assume it. I like to ask my clients. People take information differently. For me, it's more important to figure out how they think and how what the dynamics are in the family before I can come in with a recommendation. I need to understand what is it that they're trying to do, what's important to them. Normally, when a spouse is not involved in the financial situation, there's two things. She thinks that he's got it and he's the numbers guy or, or prefers to do something else. 
or is afraid of getting involved in making those decisions. That, and that's generally what I find. So I try to dig deeper and I'm not going to change their dynamic. I'm not here to tell them what to do in that sense. But there are certain basic points that they should at least know. I have a case of a person who split up from her husband. And one day called me because uh, she had no hydro. Because she didn't know she had to pay hydro. It kind of shook me. To me, that's logical. But I didn't want to assume. So in her case, she never lifted a finger for the finances or the bills or anything at the house. So in her head, she just turned on the light and off we go. And then, and she didn't need to open mail. So she didn't see all the notices. So she had a stack of mail. And because the the hydro bill was under the husband's name, she didn't open the bill. (laughs) And it's unfortunate because for her, it was was a scary moment. Like, oh, I have to pay hydro. Mm Mm-hmm. So women, even though, uh, and men, whatever the case is, if they're, even if they're not involved in some aspect of the finance, they shouldn't be oblivious to its existence. Yeah, be curious a little. Like, at least check the temperature. Is everything okay? Is there anything, you know, and part of the conversation we have at every six months or whenever it happens is, you know, be ready. Have you guys, t- we send emails in advance to our clients and we say, is there anything you want to talk about? And in some cases, I send a little note. Have you had a chance to talk to your spouse about this? Or is there any question that I should address? Because this is your meeting. This is not for me to tell you how the market is doing. It's like, of course, I'll tell you how your investments are doing or where you are. But it's more for you to get something out of the meeting and kind of take the next step to make it a better plan or a better place. Financial advisors may be dealing with older couples or older women. Is the approach different when you talk to a younger woman? I I think it is. And I think, although as a business person, it's very important to have your processes in place. I think it's even more important to keep it human and understand that people are at different stages in life. I cannot talk to a a 23-year-old girl who's an eager beaver and very driven, but has no kids, has very little financial responsibilities, uh, and is just starting in life. I can't talk to her the same way as a woman in her 50s who had been married but then is recently widowed, has three kids, and in some cases in private schools, and all of a sudden life changed for her dramatically because there was no planning in place. So it's really approaching people not with solutions but understanding their situation, be there for them, and then if there's a, a spot place for a financial instrument, call it insurance investments of combination or or both, that's when you talk about it. So first you plan and you understand what they want to do and you help them then implement as opposed to doing this and this and this and this because then you're just adding more noise to their life and that doesn't make you different. Is it true that male advisors focus more on investments and female advisors more on relationships? Uh, I don't... I. I don't like to generalize because that only perpetuates the he against she war. I've seen everything. Uh, I know fantastic male advisors that unless they can unearth what's really at your core, they will not give you a diagnostic of you need this, 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 this. And I also have seen women, they're like, no, you need this, you need this. Like 
I've seen both. Also from the advisor side, everybody lives a different reality. When your business is completely established and your recurring revenue is there and you're okay, it's a lot easier to take the time it takes to build this very deep relationship. Many people, it doesn't matter the, the level of wealth, make financial decisions without a plan. They don't understand exactly where they want to go, why they want to do it, and they hear all this, oh, invest in your RSP, and I invest in this and invest in that, and get some insurance, and buy tram and invest the rest, and all these, like, rule of thumbs that may or may not apply to them. And then they didn't understand why they wanted to do things, and one day they wake up and it's a financial mess. I remember clearly uh, there was a male client who said, you know what, talk, let's talk about investments, but I want to talk about insurance because through work I have $5 million. And I'm like, which bank do you work at again? And he told me, I'm like, oh, there's no way, because I knew this bank. I'm like, there's no way you have $5 million of life coverage. So I said, oh, I, I do, I do. I'm like, I'm willing to pay, bet a steak dinner. And uh, so he showed me his benefits. He had $50,000 because he had picked the minimums. So he was missing a few zeros there. And I said, I mean, I'm not here to tell you I told you, but imagine I have to hand that check to your spouse and she's expecting $5 million and she gets 50000 He was like, where do I sign? And we realized that his need was roughly $7 million. So, I mean, it ended up being a really cool thing because we did permanent solutions and tax and all these things happened. But it was, it was nice learning for him. Don't be arrogant and check what you have because most likely you have a mess. That's not something a robo-advisor could have done, right? A robo-advisor couldn't have seen that he thought he's getting $5 million and he's actually getting 50000 So do you see contributions a financial advisor can make that can't be outsourced to algorithms? I absolutely love robo-advisors. They are my favorite because they weed out people who will not listen, who are not willing to see it in a different light. It doesn't mean they have to follow your advice, but at least listen. Robo-advisors keep those guys busy who think they can do it on their own. So that's perfect. There, there's a market for that. It's not where I have fun. It's not where I add value and make people's lives better. Like, it's crazy how little we cheer for ourselves we do change lives is there any one woman who you would like to highlight as being either important in finance for your career or just for you personally i'm not sure she would be well known in canada but um her name is ready maria maria asuncion aramburu zavala so, so she's from Mexico, and her family had the entire Corona Emporium. Ultra net worth, and then some, right? And she was married, and uh, one day I heard her speak, and she just inspired me, and my entire professional life changed there. And I said, okay, I kind of completely cut ties with the traditional roles of what I was hearing in Mexico socially. And I figure out that I didn't belong there. So I left and I moved to England and then I came here. 
What was it that she said that touched you and changed you? Uh, her authenticity, her, her knowing that, I mean, money is not an issue in her case. And she realized that when her, died, her dad died and they had a plan and everything was good, she figured out how people started approaching her and all of a sudden she had all sorts of uncles that wanted to help her and all sorts of new friends that wanted to help her. And she just stuck to her values and said, no, I'm going to do this and I'm going to. She actually split up from her husband and she built her own name and very down to earth, a four by four down to earth woman. And that's when I found like people with a lot of money, generally speaking, the true money, they're steak and potatoes. They realize that they can only wear one pair of pants at a time and they can only sleep in one bed at a time and and they reach a point where they have those foundations and so on to give meaning to their to their wealth. So it's pretty cool. Okay, last question. What are the most memorable experiences you've had with your clients? Um I'll, I'll never forget, I, I met a, a gentleman and he was in his, he turned 65 and we had the conversation and his initial thought was, no, I need to convert this policy and I have a month to do it. And then we went through the whole questionnaire and he looked at me and said, why has anyone, why hasn't anyone talked to me like this? And then my, my response to him was, would you have listened? And he realized that he wouldn't have. And, and that's generally the case. People think that this is a quick fix. Uh, so that, that was memorable. Um, the disconnect between spouses, I, uh, one of the most awkward situations was when we're going through income and she says, uh, you know, I make five or $600,000 a year. I'm like, okay, great. So here I am writing nap. And he kind of looked at her, he goes, no, you don't. We get six thousand. You get six thousand or something. That's six thousand dollars every two weeks. So that's twelve thousand times twelve. It's not five hundred thousand. She turns around. She goes, "Well, I just know that I make more than you." Holy, that was not good. That was really not good. Um, and I have people who just say, "Where do I sign? I trust you with my life." And I'm like, "Okay." But that's bigger responsibility, right? You can't get that one wrong. Alka, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. I hope uh, I contributed in, in one way or the other and sparked the curiosity for people to inquire more about what's behind the client's needs. It makes it so much easier to work with clients when you know what they want to do and why they want to do it. Happy to connect with anyone. My LinkedIn profile is relatively public, I think. If anybody has a question and wants to have a coffee as to how to start the conversation with their clients, by all means, reach out and we can figure something. You've been listening to Financial Advice for All, a podcast about personal finance brought to you by Advocus. You can listen to more of our episodes at financialadviceforall.com, on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play. Make sure you follow us and let us know if there are any guests that you'd like to hear from on a future episode. Thanks. Until next time. The Financial Advice for All podcast is intended to be used for informational purposes only and does not provide accounting, tax, investment, legal, or other professional advice. Before making any decision or taking any action, you should consult an independent and appropriately qualified professional. 
You can review our full terms of use at financialadviceforall.com forward slash terms of use.